With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Joe Cardosi, joined by the unforgettable Jim Eichenhofer and the always intrepid and tireless Aaron Summers today. Uh, We are back at it. Uh, talking about nothing else we could talk about the draft it's coming up and uh, boy uh, not a lot of people talking about it Jim just seems like it's real quiet out there huh yeah I I, I feel like it's been just just silent I yeah. mean no one tweeting really, at me no you have to really like dig around to hear anything it's yeah. like what's going on with the Pelicans I don't even I, I don't hear anything yeah so, just yeah. across the NBA in general right now yeah. like, it's just it's very stagnant yeah everyone's just so low-key <laughs> Uh, Of course, we are being a bit facetious because, uh, of course, there's a lot of buzz out there. We'll talk about some of it. We'll avoid some of it. Uh, But the Pels are sitting at number 14. Uh, Obviously, a lot of people in this draft are talking about the top two, top three. Uh, We're going to get into a lot of scenarios here. Uh, But first, we sort of want to open with what has already been happening around the NBA. Uh, The reactions, of course, to the uh, Denver title and what it means for the West. Uh, Denver, of course, uh, they they are winners uh, of the NBA championship. Uh, Jim, you know what? What do you think that means for for the NBA in general, and specifically for the West? I mean, I thought it was great to see them win. I mean, they're not a small market, but they're definitely not a huge market, and they're also definitely not a super team. And I know people who have listened to me and seen me tweet the last few years know that I'm very anti super team. Yes. So I thought it was great to see the Nuggets do what they did. I mean, they were organically built through the draft. Their top three guys or, you know, the three guys that have been there for a while were all drafted by them. So I I thought it was great. I mean, it was just another example too of how chemistry matters a ton in the NBA. If you can be patient and you have a group of guys that play well together and you're willing to to hang in there and maybe not fire your coach every five minutes like we've seen some of these <laughs> yes. teams do. I mean, Mike Malone's been there for, I think it's seven or eight years. Yeah. So Michael Malone, I should say. Um, so I was I thought it was great. I mean, they were really the team when the Pelicans didn't make the playoffs. I think they were the team that um, I wanted to see win the West of the eight that made it. Yeah, something about a small market team. And Aaron, we've talked about this a ton around here. It's just building organically like the pelicans have have been trying to it it just seems it seems refreshing to see that rewarded somehow if you're not going to go out and pay the luxury tax and and pay these exorbitant contracts to get a ton of stars on your team you have to develop what you have and i think the nuggets did a phenomenal job with that you know jim you mentioned the chemistry they play very unselfish basketball but they are talented obviously Jokic is very very good Jamal Murray's great. And then you have KCP, Aaron Gordon. We just just saw that Bruce Brown declined his player option, so I don't know what that means. But they have kept a same core there for a while, and it's worked. They clearly get along. They enjoy being around each other. We've seen how having fun can translate on the basketball court here for the Pelicans in the season before last. It's really cool to see somebody else you know, win the whole thing. Yeah, it's a good philosophy. It, it, it's nice to see a solid philosophy that the Pelicans have sort of been building around as well. 
uh, rewarded. You hope that we can sort of emulate that in the future ourselves. And uh, there's been some moves, you know, obviously the Bradley Beal trade probably being the biggest breaking news. Uh, of course, a lot of things being speculated on right now we're not going to talk about because we value our jobs. Uh, but uh, th- there are moves being made as we speak. By the time this podcast comes out, there may be new things breaking. Uh, but it's a busy time right now, Jim. Yeah, and I thought one of the things that was most interesting to me about the reaction to the Bradley Beal trade, and obviously the Suns now have three big name guys and what you would consider to be the 2023 version of a super team. I thought the reaction to it from what I saw was so much different than what we saw to something like that maybe three to five years ago where, you know, a few years ago, it seems like when a team made a trade like that, everybody was like, oh, it's over. They're going to win it all. They're the favorites. And although there were some people that jumped to the the mode of like, okay, they're the favorites now, which I thought was completely ridiculous. Reactionary people in sports um, media? For the most part, people were, were realizing like it doesn't put them over the top. It doesn't make them the unquestioned top team. And I think from what we saw from Denver and other teams that have won the championship in recent years, like Toronto and Milwaukee, the, the, the practice of the method of building a team, finding the right role players, having depth, having chemistry, like I mentioned, has been more effective than mm-hmm. just compiling stars. Yeah. So I think that was a big part of it. That was really interesting to me just to see that the reaction to it was not overwhelmingly positive like what you would have expected a lot of times in, yeah. the, in the recent past. It seems like it's refreshing to see, I can't say it's the end of the era of the uh, pre-built super teams, but to see organic building being rewarded uh, once again. I think that's what fans have been wanting. Yeah, it feels a little bit more like it was in college a while ago when you had the same core of players staying there, and now mm-hmm. college is a mess with the transfer yes. portal and all of that stuff. And, and you're seeing teams that bring in new talented players every year, not having the same type of success as players that develop and have third year, fourth year guys on their team. So it it's interesting that maybe there'll be a shift. And I think that the new CBA and the rules there kind of support that as well, because they're trying to limit the, the rich teams getting richer, right. And, yes. and mm-hmm. adding, having the ability to add superstars, obviously Phoenix kind of just like, uh, you know, hold my beer. I, I'm gonna go and do it anyways, and yeah. we'll deal with the repercussions. The repercussions might be, well, who's gonna play defense and who's gonna rebound the ball? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of other things surrounding what that trade did for that for them in a positive way right. that is gonna be a negative and could be very soon because yeah. of the new CBA and you know, the way it's going to affect free agency, the way it's going to affect their draft picks, the way it's going to affect the the minimum players. And I mean, y- you can't pay them as much now. So yeah. they're just going to have to kind of like reload every year with role players on the team. That yeah. kind of inconsistency might not be very successful on the court. And New Orleans, I feel like, is in, a, is in an interesting spot because you have a lot of young players, you got a lot of uh, still cheap players, mm-hmm. uh, and you're building depth. You still have a ton of draft assets, and that's something we got to keep in mind. The flexibility is still there. Again, we're not going to speculate too much on what that flexibility might entail, but there are so many moves New Orleans could make now and in the future, and still building young, still building a deep team. Uh, it's going to be an interesting philosophy going forward. So we're starting to uh, to see people prognosticating. Uh, we're starting to look forward to draft night. It is coming up. Trades and woge bombs and all that stuff. 
Uh, Jim, you know, what are you looking most forward to on draft night? I know it's a ton of excitement, a ton of moving parts, but what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm, I think a lot of people who follow the Pelicans, I'm looking forward to just kind of turning the page on last season. And the draft is usually when you s- start to see a lot of the different moves and you kind of reset towards next year. I think probably a lot of teams other than the Nuggets are ready to kind of move forward yeah. to 23-24. But um, I, I am also curious to see just what, how many moves there are made across the league on, on draft night, whether that's trades. And obviously we only have a little bit more than a week and free agency will be kicking in on July 1st or actually it's June 30th mm-hmm. this year. So um, those are the those are the biggest things I, I'm looking forward to. Um, it's always exciting and you never really know if it's going to be a night where there's going to be a million moves and people are going to be yeah. losing their minds or whether it's going to be really quiet. But we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, would you would you rather a quiet night where you get to just stick to the facts or are you looking forward to a little bit of shakeup? No, I love when things go <laughs> awry. Like, yeah. there's some, the jab, Jazz have three picks. You know, there's they can do a lot with that. They can move up from number nine, which they're talking about doing. The Pacers are talking about moving around. The Nets just jumped in on that, saying that they're trying to trade up. So there could be so much movement in this draft, which makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Very unpredictable. I think luckily for the Pelicans, they don't need to move up. They don't need anybody right now to add right. to their current roster. Right. We haven't seen that roster be completely healthy for an extended amount of time. When we did see it at its healthiest, we were the number one team in the West. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't have to do anything crazy. So having the number 14 pick, it could be, it could stick right there. We it might move down, you know, you never know, but I don't think that we have to put a lot of pressure on getting something out of it right now. I think that's important. I, th- I think a lot of people are always looking to capitalize the most we can right now. But but like you said, we, we don't really know what all the parts of this team can amount to yet if they're fully healthy. Uh, we've seen flashes of it. And uh, obviously we have some depth and we have some stars on this team. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what the front office's philosophy is uh, as draft night rolls into here. And, uh, you know, we've got the the new CBA agreement. We've got some different uh, evolving league trends that are changing a lot of teams' philosophies uh, in this draft. Uh, Jim, do you you expect that to affect how people go forward and and the aggressiveness that they approach this draft? Yeah, I mean, I think not just tonight, but in the next couple of years, it'll be – or Thursday. And then the next couple of years, it'll it'll be interesting to see um, how the draft kind of evolves in terms of the importance of it. I think – the fact that, you know, Aaron mentioned the new CBA, it's definitely in general, without getting too deep into the details, it's definitely going to be more restrictive in terms of what teams can do with their flexibility. And I think um, with it being more of like a hard cap where you don't have all of these different options to spend over a certain number, I do think that having more players that are under your control for a multiple year period and at a decent cost is going to be something that teams look at more as a way to help fill out their roster. Yeah. So I think it's been headed that way, it seems like to me, for the last six, eight years anyways. But I think the new CBA is going to accelerate that to where teams um, put more importance on the draft. And one thing I was going to quickly add to what Aaron mentioned yeah. earlier, um, you talked about how Utah has multiple picks. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm also looking forward to for Thursday night in the draft is there's a bunch of teams that have multiple first-round picks. Orlando's picking – six and 11. So does that mean that they try to, tr- you know, package those together and move up? 
Um, after the first pick, there's a ton of drama in terms of yeah. who's going to go second and third and then beyond that. So um, there's just a lot of things that are going to be interesting to follow. But as far as the draft overall, I do think that you're going to start to see teams put more and more emphasis on it. And also there's going to be three two-way contracts now instead of two. So does that mean the second round is more important? And even Much information, yeah. <laughs> be, mm-hmm. even beyond the second round, um, some of the guys that – weren't drafted, does that become more important that you try to target the specific guys that you want because there's more spots for, there's more places for two-way guys and there's, you know, almost all the teams in the NBA now have their own G League affiliates. So all of this stuff is definitely affecting the way that teams look at the draft. Well, a lot of teams are only keeping 14 players on the roster because they just use the the two-way guys in and out as they needed them. Is that going to change? Are they only going to have 13? Is that how they're going to save money? Is that how they're going to reallocate money? How often are we going to see these two-way contracts, these players, be moved in and out? Because there's still just that combo 90 games among three players now instead of two. So it's going to be a lot more interesting to see how not just the draft and how they, people handle the second round, how people handle free agency, undrafted free agents, but how they, you know, handle their roster yeah, once the season starts. Yeah, fundamentally, that's a, that's a great point. Aaron's always got her ear to the ground here. And uh, look, we we we've had uh, our favorites. We all have our favorite picks close to our heart in recent drafts uh, for the, for the Pelicans. And uh, we sort of wanted to, to touch on that. You know, who, who are some of our favorite recent picks uh, for the Pelicans? Uh, it sort of depends on what you value. Sort of depends on on what you think the potential might be. Maybe you had a particularly great draft night. Maybe that that player has inspired you. Uh, Jim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you because, you know, you, you are our man on the street always digging up the stuff. Uh, what is your favorite draft pick that the Pelicans have made in recent years? What got you out of your seat uh, hooting and hollering. You know, I think it would be easy. Anthony Davis. No, I'm <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> I, think, I think it would be easy to say Trey, but um, I think Herb Jones for me, just because it was a second round pick. Does, you look, does Trey count? Because he was a draft day trade. He wasn't necessarily yeah, he, I think pick. he counts because okay. you say that they got him 17. He better because you just took mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd say Herb. I mean, if you look at the history of New Orleans over the previous, say, 10, 15 years, they really did not get a lot out of second-round picks. It had been a while since they had had somebody that was really productive in right. that part of the draft. So, I mean, I love that pick just because, I mean, to be able to get him at number 35 I can't remember another second-round pick from anyone that's been as, as yeah. beneficial to the team culture as Herb. Yeah, for sure. And I think here in New Orleans, I think Marcus Thornton is really the one that jumps to mind. Yeah. That was a second-round pick that – um, made a big splash and people really loved him. I mean, the fact that he was local yeah. definitely helped. But um, be, but since him, I mean, it had been a long time since they they had gotten such a productive guy in round two. So I, th- I think that one is my favorite. Zion Williamson getting chosen uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans was one of the most exciting times yes. of my sports life. We still have yet to see his full potential here. Uh, we've yet to see uh, what him and, and the whole team can do for a full season. And still having that golden ticket right now is uh, is still an exciting thing. And the vibe in the city was just so different uh, that night. Uh, yeah. you, you can talk about you know the ups and downs since then, perhaps. But man, uh, that night was a magical time uh, to be in the city, to feel the excitement. It, it, it still resonates with me, and I, I still have hope 
that we can see the fulfillment of that. Obviously, we would love to see it come to fruition in terms of a full season and him yeah. being healthy. EJ Liddell, another player that you mentioned, second round picks ah, that yes. we haven't seen yet. He might be a little better pick than people thought he was. Yeah. I mean, he's looked really good on the court. Um, we will see him soon at Summer League. He'll make his return. You can go all the way back, and I think like you can say Chris Paul and Anthony Davis at that moment, people were really excited about yes, them, and yes. they did do a lot for the team. There's been a little sour taste in everyone's mouths since they've left. Yes, history happened. David West, somebody, you go all the way back. I should have said David West. That's like, a really good one. That's he's a really somebody good one. that he was a high pick. Talk he about was culture guy. Too. 18th overall. Mm-hmm. He had a major impact on the team, the franchise. And he's somebody that people still look back on fondly. Yes, uh, he's still beloved here. I feel like he could run for mayor, win immediately. Uh, it, it, it's just it's great to look back. I think at, at times like these when there's so much uncertainty, uh, and and this is the time when you're able to feel that hope and 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 to get excited. You should be like a child in a candy store right now. Uh, the draft is when you get to have hope, and that is our currency right now. When you look back at previous draft picks and the evaluations pre-draft by some of the gurus, uh, obviously we've talked about some of the ones that that sort of uh, outpaced what they, the value was supposed to be when you talk about mm-hmm. a Herb Jones. You talk about an E.J. Liddell. Um, there, there have been a bunch of guys, it seems like, on this team that have sort of fit into the culture. Uh, Trey Murphy, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, went a lot lower than what his value may be now uh, mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, you know, So when you look back at the draft and some of the, the evaluations by these gurus, uh, who are some of those more fun picks that you still think like, man, we kind of fleeced them? Yeah, you mentioned Trey. I mean, he was the 17th pick in 2021. And I'm going to reference some of the comparisons that some of these draft sites made, not to make fun of them or pick on them or whatever, because some of these sites I really respect. But it is interesting to hear you know, some of the players that they were compared to. I to love how Jim's that. like, I really respect them, but I'm still going to make fun of them. Yeah. So, <laughs> but in a polite way. Right. That's how right. Jim does it. Uh, for example, with Trey, NBADraft.net compared him to Robert Covington and James Jones, who are really, you know, kind of spot up role players. He's shown that his game is so much more expanded than that. And so I thought that that was interesting. The comment that they made about him, I thought was, was also kind of revealing. They said needs to gain more confidence in his abilities and become a more aggressive athlete. He could use more assertiveness to become more effective at times. He doesn't appear to understand what he's capable of. I thought that was such a prescient, um, opinion of him like going into his draft if you look at what he's done in his yeah, last I two mean, years when trey started dunking on people and enjoying that that growth spurt that he had it sort of opened up because he was he was known as like a three-pointer guy yeah that's that was going to be he was just a floor spacer but now he can do it all and it's great to see i think he always has had confidence he's always felt like he could do it but i don't think he understood the work that he needed to put in to have it translate at this level yeah. mm until maybe halfway through his rookie season. You know, he had spent some time back and forth in the G League, and he's like, I'm not going to be able to just walk into this and be the player that I want to be. Right. And to his credit, he has put in an immense amount of work and added so many new facets to his game, and I think that's only going to continue. Another guy that um, NBADraft.net had an interesting comparison um, for Herb Jones, who was the 35th pick in 2021, their player comparison to him was Wes Awundu. I don't know if you remember him. He was a very brief Pelican. <laughs> but I thought that was interesting, too, because 
the problem that Wes had was his jumper was not there, and he never really developed that. I'm not sure where Wes is. I think he might be playing overseas somewhere yeah. now. But um, I thought that was kind of funny just to think that that was the name that they came up with. And the comment that they had for Herb was, outside shooting is not enough of a threat to unlock his slashing ability. So unless he's able to threaten opponents with a confident outside jumper, Jones projects to be solely a spark defender with limited minutes and weak job security off the bench. I mean, they were really reaching because he didn't shoot from outside. Like, that we knew that. Everybody knew that. Like, he's not an outside shooter. Like, detective work over there. (laughs) Yeah, looking into the orb. The fact that they said, you know, he was going to have limited minutes and weak job security off the bench too is it's funny that he's been a starter and oh, he's yes. there's no second, there's no like issue. the second game of the season he started right, and then that right, was that right. yeah so i mean I, I but a lot of people were incorrect i don't want to say wrong but a lot of people were incorrect in terms of their projections for herb luckily the pelicans front office saw what his capabilities were and what his potential was. Well, that's the thing is between between Trey Murphy, between Herb, when you talk about some of the intangibles of those two guys and and the philosophy of our of our draft team, it seems like intelligence, communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are things that don't really pop off on tape when you're watching, you know, player highlights sure. and stuff. But Trey Murphy is a very cerebral player. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. wants to be better. Herb is a grinder. He is a smart guy. We have a lot of intelligence on this team. We have a lot of tryhards. Yeah. And then I would say that too. The effort is yes. a huge factor with players that weren't drafted with Jose Alvarado and Najee yeah. Marshall. Our our scout department, they've done very well, not only in the draft, but I think maybe even more so of late in finding these diamonds in the rough people that do develop into great players yeah. and they value character. And I think one specific part of character too, is like how well you get along with other people. Mm-hmm. Obviously this is a team sport and it's an environment where you're around the guys There's for a six, seven months here with mm-hmm. these right. guys. They love each other. Right. So that, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. And I think that's kind of shows you the kind of people that they've tried to bring in. Um, another couple quick guys, you mentioned Jose and Najee. Um, Jose undrafted in 2021 on ESPN's big board, which they basically, it's it's not a mock draft. It's basically, they take the top 100 guys and they rank them. They're not worried about like where they're going to be picked or whatever. Just, this is our opinion of where they are with obviously this year, there's one guy that's going to be number one. Um, But in 2021, um, Jose was number 92 on ESPN's big board. So a lot of people did not expect him Mm -hmm. to get picked at all. He didn't get picked. Um, He wasn't on the athletics top 100 board at all and he was 68 by the ringer which the ringer had the highest assessment of him so i guess props to the ringer for being jose excellent scouts (laughs) um but on espn's uh actually this was sports illustrated he they said of jose thanks to his makeup and intangibles he has a chance to be a unique valuable version of a a strong role player and come at a relative discount for an interesting interested team and that was what they wrote of, about his potential to be a sleeper in the draft. So that's pretty good. I would that say. is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So obviously, look, what we, we've talked about the Pelicans have a ton of options. There's still a ton of flexibility. And it, it's going to be an interesting night. Uh, if, if anything, we've learned to expect the unexpected with this organization. Um, so when, when we go into this, why do you think the future of the Pels is still so bright? I, I, we talked about the, the youth of these of these players there's a lot of young players that we still haven't seen their full potential yet. Uh, I mean, why do you think people going into this draft, no matter what the Pelicans do, even if they sit pat, why do you think people should be excited? I think there's been a lot of focus over the last couple weeks on two or three different guys on the roster. 
maybe like the most well-known players on the team. Mm -hmm. But I think what you have to remember sometimes is we talked about Trey. He's only going into his third year. Look at the progress that he made in his second season. Um, Somebody like Dyson Daniels, you're making a huge mistake if you if you ever say after one year of a player in the NBA, like, oh, this is what he's going to be, that right. he can't get any better. Um, so I just keep going back to that. I mean, there's so many guys on this roster. The vast majority of them are still not even close to their peak or their prime. So I think the Im- internal improvement that can continue to happen is probably the biggest reason that I'm still optimistic about the future. In addition to the fact that they were – in first or second place, mm-hmm. you know, almost halfway through and through the season before the injuries decimated everything. So I think they've shown that they can be one of the best teams in the West and they still have more room to improve with a bunch of guys individually. That's how I would sum it up. Yeah. I mean, Aaron, uh, Jim brought up Dyson Daniels and that's another guy that fits the culture. He's just such a smart cerebral uh, grinder. He wants to be great. And I, and I still feel like we've only scratched the surface of Dyson Daniels as well. Yeah. I mean, he's a, a big reason why the Pelicans did so well defensively. Him, Herb Jones, Najee Marshall, a lot of the other players really stepped up in that regard. They're sixth in defensive rating this past season, which is, I think, a lot higher than a lot of people expected. Mm-hmm. It's, it's from pure selflessness, it seems like, a lot of times. Even though we didn't have the Stars playing mm-hmm. as many games as we would have liked them to, they still produced on the defensive end, and that's going to have you in any game. Yes. So once you get the offensive side figured out, and you get those guys, Brandon, Zion, CJ, whoever it is, playing the majority of their minutes, and then you get the improvement from people like Dyson yes. and Herb and Trey. Offensively, I mean, the sky is the limit, I think, and then and that will in turn, make this team one of the best in the West. Yeah, it just seems like right now everyone's going to score 100 points just automatically. It seems like every team's just looking at going to score 100 points. If you can limit that and then get Mm -hmm. your own, it it just seems like the Pelicans' patience and philosophy may, may soon uh, start to to see some fruit there. Can Uh, Can I ask you a question? Sure. Is uh, Wemby tall? Like, have we figured that out yet? Something about that. Yeah, I, I, he was holding a baseball, and it looked like he was holding a marble. I don't know. It just seems like uh, people are talking about this. That, might yeah. be like a, a hot take, but I don't care. <laughs> Listen, he was league MVP, and his team got swept in the championship series. Ah. So how good is he really going to be? Should we be that worried about him over in San Antonio? That's true. You know, could he be another Anthony Davis, Jim? Do you do do you think so? We need to put Aaron on immediately on like first take or one of those shows based (laughs) on that. I mean, they got swept. Yeah, like they did not win a game. It's a good point, and also it shows that that one team may not be one player away from just vaulting into a championship. I know everyone thinks Wimby is going to be this golden ticket and all of a sudden it's going to be a franchise-changing thing, and that may be very well the case, but you never know. We've obviously been in that position, and uh, sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't, uh, but it, it's going to be interesting to see maybe three years down the road. This is looked at as like one of the craziest drafts ever. How many more years till the next craziest draft ever happens? I, I feel yeah. like the hype machine is going to continue to roll, and mm-hmm. maybe this time next season will be like, oh, he's the next Wimby just two years <laughs> down, the, <laughs> down the road. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. So, so Jim, uh, round us out here. You know, it, 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 is, it is coming upon us. The wheels are rolling. Uh, what do we need to know uh, before all of this happens? What, what is the information? I see your giant scroll uh, <laughs> that you're going through. What yes. do the people need to know, Jim? You know, I've been spending time, I'm sure people have seen me tweet these articles out or you've seen, read them on the website, kind of 
looking at some of the mock drafts that a bunch of different websites have put out there in terms of what they They're project yeah. the Pelicans will pick at 14. So I just wanted to kind of briefly go through some of the names that people might want to be familiar with just based on purely what some of these different websites right. are saying that New Orleans might do with the 14th pick. Obviously this is massive guesswork because to project who is going to do now, right. To project who's going to get picked 14th, you have to know or project who's going to go one through 13, which right. after one, I feel like people don't have a good feel for yeah. that. I mean, I know you're an Oracle, but that's a right. Lot of, that's it's, a lot it's, of, it's how do you lot. put all of this out into like some big system and have them like calculate everything out to like, this is the one that's picked the most. Right. Yeah. Right. Like at 14, you know, it's funny you say that because <laughs> the first thing I have on my list is actually the NBA.com consensus mock draft. Okay. Basically they take a, bu- they take like 10 different websites. They add all of the picks up. They some have some crazy AI. system, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the the player that they came up with for 14th to New Orleans is a Indiana guard named Jalen Hood Shafino. Um, mm. NBA.com says his upside as a combo guard. He has upside as a combo guard that can run an offense and make his presence felt on defense. Um, one quick it's thing. The philosophy. Right. One quick thing before I go through some of these other names. I kind of wish I had watched more Big Ten basketball this year because um, like half of the guys yeah. that are listed are Big Ten players. Yeah. Um, kind of hard when we're keeping up with so much other basketball. Yeah, I mean, I say that I can't say that semi facetiously because <laughs> yeah. it's hard to watch college basketball. But if I was gonna, if I did have time this past season and that's I was going to watch college basketball, that's why you need your team to do it. Jim has a whole team of interns <laughs> that he just underpays, yes, and they, they're supposed to be watching those games for you. So we have Jalen Hood, Shafino, Indiana guard, also from the Big Ten, Bryce Sensabaugh, who's an Ohio State guard, described by SB Nation as a knockdown shooter who can space the floor. Also from the Big Ten, Kobe Bufkin, who's a Michigan wing. Lefty. Let's go. Yes. Oh, yeah. Jet Howard is a Michigan guard who's a really good spot-up shooter. So, I mean, just just those four guys all from the Big Ten all projected to go to New Orleans. And then quickly, a handful of other names. Fox Sports had Jordan Hawkins, Connecticut guard, described as the best shooter in this class. They had him going to New Orleans. ESPN, at the last check, has a player named Bilal Koulibaly who actually was teammates with Wemby, not as tall as Wemby, which mm. is going to be surprising is probably. <laughs> they Still pretty tall, though. Um, I think he's 6'6". Um, they said he, ESPN says he has physical, his physical tools, playmaking potential, two-way upside, prevent, present a nice developmental bet for any type of roster. Um, and last couple guys that we saw very commonly, um, the ringer has Noah Clowney, Noah Clowney, of Alabama going to the Pelicans. That would be another Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. I think we Got have a, a bunch of those, of those already. Um, and then rounding it out with uh, Derek Lively, who's a Duke center. Mm-hmm. Several sites have him co- going to New Orleans. And then lastly, Keontae George, who's a Baylor guard. He, he's um, kind of a scorer, versatile offensive player. So that those are some of the names. And I, I'm not even going to sit here and tell you that it's going to be <laughs> one of those nine because there's yeah. probably about 15 – to 18 guys that someone somewhere pr- projected the Pelicans. Anytime one of those guys gets picked uh, before the Pelicans pick, take a shot. And you'll be hammered by the time we get to our pick. And, <laughs> I feel uh, like, fun. though, the consensus is it's going to be a guard. I mean, like mm-hmm. the top 12 guys around the 14th pick are all yeah, guards. Right, right. Shooting guard, point guard, mm-hmm. whatever. So... We'll see. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like like the team values flexibility no matter what the position and versatility. And some of, to Aaron's point, some of it too is like if you look at where guys are ranked in the top 20, 
so many of them are guards that even if you're going into this draft saying, we I need, need a center, yeah. we need a power forward, maybe that guy isn't there because yeah. just if you look, maybe if you're looking for one of those positions, you might want to trade down because you think we can still get the guy we want at 25 because right. we have plenty of guards, but that's what's available right now. We don't want to pick another one. But, no, I mean, that's that's definitely a big part of it is just there's a ton of backcourt talent in this crop of players that are coming out. Well, in the most productive 14th picks, there have been some good ones over the years. We just saw one in the NBA Finals in, in BAM mm-hmm. out of IO. Uh, yes. He was a 14th mm-hmm. pick, 2017. Michael Porter Jr., 2010. Ooh. Or no, he was 2018, sorry. Marcus Morris was 2011. So there have been some good guys at 14. You never some know what could info. happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's no reason to lose hope. I know the NBA uh, draft is is very top-heavy, and you keep hearing the same few names, but don't be surprised if someone that perhaps the Pelicans drafted 14 is a contributor on this team. We've seen some depth uh, end up on the floor as a starter uh, here, even though it doesn't matter, I don't think, uh, in, t- in terms of this team philosophy, in terms of the coaching, uh, where you're drafted, talent and trying hard matters, uh, and, be, and communicating with your teammates it's going to be interesting no matter who we get uh, to see how they fit in this team and how they fit in the culture. Uh, it's going to be an exciting night all around. So after the draft, we will have a, we'll have summer league coming up. We're going to get to see how this team fits together. Uh, so, of course, you're going to want to follow Aaron Summers on Twitter. You're going to want to follow Jim Eichenhofer on Twitter. Uh, those are the information people. Me, uh, I just tweet out gifs of uh, animals. So uh, follow those two for the real info. And uh, stay tuned. This is the exciting time. This is the hoping and dreaming time. And there is no more fun than hoping and dreaming. Uh, and then it's going to be the rubber hitting the road as the Pelican season will be bearing down upon us. Uh, so, uh, Aaron, Jim, thank you so much for joining me on the Pelicans podcast. Thank you for listening to the Pelicans podcast, presented as always by SeatGeek. Uh, we will be speaking to you once again after all of this, and we will have some facts to give you. And until then, go Bell. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.